I'm glad you're here. We are in the second week in our series on contentment. And if you missed last week, I'm sorry. But that's okay. That's okay. You can catch it online at stapletonchurch.com. We have the audio and video of the message to kind of bring you back up. But it's okay. I'll, I'll refresh you if you were here last week and just forgot too, because that happens, doesn't it? Um, but it's so good that you're here because this is such an important series. Uh, I was blown away by the response this last week to this series on contentment. You know, I know I needed this series, but I was amazed like you guys need it too. We really do live in a discontent world. And it's just dragging us to discontentment. And it's such a thing that there's so many things that take us away from contentment and happiness and peace. And that's what we're learning. How do we live in that world? Because we're here. It's not like we're going to go out into the hills and, and live in the desert by ourselves. We can't do that. God calls us to be right here among the people. So how do we do that? How do we do that? And one of the biggest things that drives us into discontentment in our world is stress and anxiety, isn't it? I remember vividly when I was in 10th grade and I had this huge project looming and uh, we had some busy stuff going on with family and my life and I barely had any time to do this huge project that was coming up and I remember sitting in health class. Oh man, who remembers health class? I was in there and, and I had a good teacher but he was kind of just droning on and he was teaching us about stress. Like, so when you feel stress, you may feel a tightness in your chest, and it feels a pressure, it's overwhelming, and sometimes you feel this, this pit in your stomach, and you can feel sick and even nauseous because of stress. And the whole time that he's talking, I'm thinking, yeah, I know what stress feels like. I'm feeling it right now. i got anxiety. i got to get out of here. I don't have enough time to do this project. Why do I have to drone on and listen to this? But you have to sit there in class, right? And that's what I felt. Who in here has ever felt the physical aspects of stress? Like physically, it's not just something in your mind, right? You physically feel it. It's on your chest. It's in your stomach. It gives you headaches. You're nauseous. You can't think clearly. You can't focus because stress and anxiety is weighing down on you. Happens. It's a real physical thing that we experience. It's part of our physiology. And the question is, well, how do we deal with it? How do we deal with it? Because it's real in our world. We all deal with it. Stress is there. In the last month, There's a study that says in in one month that about 50%, more than 50% of us, have anxiety that keeps us up at night. Who said that? Anxiety that keeps you up at night. And and you begin to worry and think about it. We all deal with this. 18 to 20% of uh, adult Americans have anxiety issues so much that they have to take a prescription for it. It's a big deal in our country. In fact, it's the number one health issue in our country for men and women. It's anxiety. Anxiety disorders, anxiety attacks that come with that. We, we all face this stress in our world, so how are we going to deal with it? I saw one study that found that due to the loss of productivity and the health-related issues that come along with stress, stress and anxiety cost our country $300 billion a year. A lot. $300 billion. Stress is big. And I shared this statistic last week, but it was so you know, provocative to me. But that the average child today, the average child today experiences the same level of anxiety as a psychiatric patient did in the 1950s. That's the world we live in. There's so many pressures on us, so much stress, and we have to learn how to deal with it because it's there. Because it's there. But I like what Max Lucado said. Max Lucado wrote this In his latest book, he said that the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. And that's what we're going to talk about today, because we will fail this anxiety, we will feel stress, but we have to learn how to deal with it if we want contentment. 
And that's what I want us to do. I want us to find contentment. Because we do have anxiety and stress. And how do we get from there to the peace and contentment we want? Now, in our community group this week, we had some discussion, and it was really good, and it brought to mind, uh, I realized, hey, we've got to clarify what contentment is, because in some circles, especially in like the business world, contentment is viewed down, looked down upon. But what people do is they confuse the word contentment with the word complacency. You know, somebody brought that up in our community group, and I was like, yeah, you're right on, because they think, oh, you know, complacency is a different thing. If, if you're lazy, and if you're not willing to work hard or, or to try hard, or you don't have any ambition, that's not contentment. Contentment is a peace and happiness throughout all situations of life. You'll still have ambition. You'll still want to work hard, but you'll be content. You'll be happy and have this peace through all of it. So it's not complacency. I just wanted to throw that out there so we're all on the same page when it comes to contentment. So now we're going to learn today, well, with the stress, with the anxiety that we have, with the fears that come along with us, and it, it all leads us to one thing. It leads us to worry, right? We worry because we feel that stress. Uh-oh, I'm missing something. Did I forget something? What did I say to that person? Oh, you see this mole. Uh-oh, I think I have cancer. So what we do, because we have the stress, we have the anxiety, and all of a sudden fear comes up, worry starts to take over our life. And we begin, begin to have this habit of worry. And that's what we're going to talk about. Most of us have learned this habit. It really is. It's a habit that we get ourselves into. Whenever something gives us stress, this anxiety comes up in our life, we start to worry about it. And we're going to learn how to replace that habit with a better habit so that we can move from anxiety to peace. That's what we want to do. We want to learn to do that. So we're going to teach you a habit today that will help you move from there. So last week, as we talked about contentment, we, we talked about, hey, most of us think that you have to get something new or, or enter a new life phase. We have to do something in order to become content. But we learned it, it's actually about the source of our strength, Jesus, rather than the situation. It's not about changing situations, not moving to a new job, not going to a new place, having a new house, getting more of whatever it is. That's not what's going to bring us contentment. It's not the new situation. It's a source of strength. When we have Jesus inside of us, who's always there, always on our side, we can do all things. So Paul said, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And we can go through those situations. So that's what we learned kind of as the foundational principle. But we also learned a couple other things about um, contentment. And one of them was that contentment is possible, no matter who you are. And the second thing that's really important is contentment is learned. Learned. It's not just something that certain personality traits have. It's not just something that all of a sudden you're doing yoga on a mountainside and boom, you have contentment for the rest of your life. Or you're at a funeral and you have this epiphany. No, 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 that's not how contentment works. You learn contentment. So in our series, we had the foundation last week. But now for the next five weeks, we're going to learn five principles to help us learn contentment. There are principles, there are practices that I want you to learn. And when you do those, when you practice these things over and over again, you will start to begin to develop contentment in your life. I talked with someone after the first service today, and she said, yeah, this, this um, practice that you taught me today, I've been practicing it for 19 years. And she said, and I can tell you, it works. It works. I have a contentment and a peace in my life, even though some crazy stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's amazing. Because this person also said, yeah, I had a, a, heart, a stress-induced heart attack before I learned that. So I don't want you to have a stress-induced heart attack, okay? I want you to learn these five practices. We can learn contentment, and we will. So the first thing is replacing the habit of worry. So this is what I want you to learn today. Here's our big idea. I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down, is that we need to replace the habit of worry with a habit of prayer. 
When we have stress, when we have anxiety, instead of worrying, which is what we do, let's replace that. Let's transform that. And let's put in prayer in place of that. And when you do that, you will begin to move from anxiety to peace, from stress to contentment. This is a practice that we need to learn. It's a habit we've got to develop. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up with me to Philippians chapter 4. We've got a huge chunk today, two verses. I don't know if we can get it all, but we're going to try. Two verses. I really want you to get this. This is even a good passage to memorize. Um, I, have, I had some guys memorize it this year, but Philippians 4, 6, and 7, if you want to go ahead and look on there on your smartphone, we're going to have it up here too. But it begins by saying this, do not be anxious about anything. Okay, see you guys later. That, right, it says don't be anxious, right? No, in fact, when we read something like that, we're like, is that even possible? Can you not be anxious? It seems like we have anxiety, we have stress, but, and we do. We do. And then we also see Jesus said something similar in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, I tell you, do not worry. Okay, then you guys can go home now. Don't be anxious, don't worry, right? No, it's harder than that, isn't it? <laughs> we, we learn these principles that we're not supposed to worry. We're not supposed to be in the prison of anxiety. So we have to learn how do we move away from that. And what we need to learn is that habit of worry needs to be replaced by a different habit. So we're going to talk about habits a little bit today. Now, I read this great book called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. Uh, A few of you maybe have read it. It's a really good book. And it studies a lot of the psychological things that people have looked at now with habits. And the way that habits work is that it has three different components. And I want to show you this up on the screen about how habits work. So there's three components. There's a cue. There's something that happens in your life, and it cues you off to do a routine. This is often what we call the habit, but really it's all of these things. You do something then when the cue sets you off, and then you get a reward. And that loop sends you back. The next time you have a cue, you're going to do that routine so you can get the reward. And then ultimately it leads to a result in your life. So I want to give you the example that the famous example from the book is brushing your teeth. Brushing your teeth. So I want you to think about this. Did you know that at the beginning of the 1900s, nobody brushed their teeth? Seriously. Uh, Before World War II, 7% of people actually owned toothpaste. 7%. Nobody brushed their teeth, nobody used toothpaste. It was a big deal, big problem. In fact, when World War II started, one of the biggest issues was that all the soldiers had rotting mouths. And it prevented them from fighting. They had issues with their mouths and all rotting teeth and all the things that come along with that. So, um, Pepsodent hired this advertiser and they said, okay, how are we going to change this? How are we going to get people to buy our toothpaste, but also to get better teeth? And they realized the cue that they needed to find was tooth film. You know that film that's, that, that's on your teeth after you eat something? You know, you could just feel that right there. That's the cue. Some of you are thinking, man, I need to brush my teeth. <laughs> I need to brush my teeth. Well, that... Tooth film, if you talk to dentists, actually doesn't do anything bad to your teeth. But what they started doing in advertisement, it says, do you, you know that teeth film? It's causing your teeth to go yellow. And this was with advertisements in magazines and newspapers on the radio, and everybody started noticing that they have this tooth film. Well, now they've got the cue going. People are feeling it. And then they said, well, what you need to do is buy our toothpaste and brush your teeth. But then they needed a reward too. They realized this and they said, okay, we need to add a tingling sensation when you brush your teeth. You know that minty fresh taste you have in your mouth, that tingling at the end? You're like, oh, it's clean. That actually does nothing. It absolutely does nothing. But you feel clean, don't you? 
because you've had that tingling sensation. And now, the next time you feel tooth film, you're like, mm, better go brush my teeth. And by the end of World War II, 65% of people were brushing their teeth with toothpaste. That's a huge change in about a decade. Huge change. And it's because of this habit that was formed. There's a cue, then there's routine tied to it, a reward, and then the result, of course, is clean teeth. Clean teeth. This was a big deal. Um, so that's how one uh, habit works. But now we're going to talk about the habit of worry. Because that's the one that's making anxiety worse in our lives. So we have this cue when we feel stress, when we feel anxiety, it leads us to the routine of worrying. We begin to think about all these things. Okay, You're thinking about that mole. You're thinking about your child and, and you're thinking about all the health issues. You're thinking about that family member who just hurt you. You're thinking about the relationship, the work, the, all the things. You're thinking, 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 and you're just worrying, worrying, worrying. And the reward that we get, and it's a pretty bad reward. I said sucky a lot last week, so I was trying not to say it as much this week. <laughs> the sucky reward that we get is that we feel in control for a moment, right? We've been worrying, 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 because we think, maybe I can take control of this thing that's giving me stress. But it doesn't actually give you control. It just gives you this illusion for a little while that you can kind of handle that situation. So the result is misery. <laughs> Honestly, the more we were, this is why Jesus said, don't worry. Paul said, don't be anxious, because what happens is we begin to worry, we feel like we're in control for a moment, but we're not. And then we have misery in our lives. Worry leads to misery. And most people figure out that this habit of worry doesn't work on their own. Most people figure it out. And that's why people replace this habit with different things. Now, there are some bad things and some better things that people replace it with. But some of the bad things are substances. People feel stressed. They get anxious when they're around other people. So they start smoking pot. They start drinking a little bit when they get home from a tough day at work. Or food. There's different substances we take because we don't want to feel that anxiety. And then what happens is you get that sense of pleasure. You get that sense of pleasure in your mind, so then the next time you have anxiety, well, you need that substance again. The problem with this is that this is very bad because it leads to a harmful addiction. You can't get out of this loop over and over. And this is very harmful to your body, to your social life, lowers your IQ. Yes, that's what happens with pot. I know I'm in Colorado now, but let's just say what it is. Um, this is a bad thing. It's a harmful addiction. It's a substance that you're turning to instead of worry. You're like, well, I'm not worrying. Yeah, but you're doing something worse. So this is a bad alternative to worry. But people have figured out that there's some better ones. And these are better. Let, let's be honest. When you have anxiety, some people listen to music or you exercise. And what happens is the reward is that you begin to relax when you listen to that music. Or you feel that release of dopamine and endorphins in your brain. And you feel good about it. And if you're like, Matt, I've never felt that when I'm exercising. I guess it's true. You know, you know, it happens. But you do these things, and these are better things. Let's be honest. These are good coping mechanisms. And that's really what it is. It's helpful coping. Um, it's a good thing to do if you have this habit. Okay, that's great. That's great. It's a better alternative. The problem becomes, though, when you get to the point where you know, you're in the middle of the workday and you can't listen to music. There's a big project presentation coming out. I don't have time to sit for 15 minutes and listen to my favorite song. Or you listen to your favorite song so much that you just get bored of it and it doesn't help anymore. You don't have that relaxation. That's what happens with these things. Or exercise. You're at a point, the presentation's coming in 10 minutes. You can't go run. You know, you can do your jumping jacks maybe. I don't know. But it doesn't really help. Or you have a physical um, <clears throat> injury that happens or something happens in your life. You can't exercise as much. 
So then this coping mechanism that you have just kind of fails you. These are good things, remember. These are better, these are much better than dope, right? <laughs> okay, that's much better, but it will ultimately not help in all situations. So that's why I'm going to teach you today the best alternative, the best habit, and that's prayer. See, we already have this cue in our life. We already have stress. We already have anxiety. So what I want to teach you to do is that whenever you feel that, you feel that burden physically, emotionally, mentally, is that you turn to prayer. You're talking to God about it. You're asking him to handle the situation. And what the Bible promises us, we'll see in our passage, is that the reward is peace. There's a reward that comes along with this. There's this peace that transcends understanding. And it's a promise that God gives us. When you pray, you will have a peace. And what happens if you begin to form this as a habit? And you do this every time you feel anxiety, you just start praying. Then you're going to get this reward of peace, and ultimately the result will be contentment in your life. Ultimately, that will be the result. So let's look at our passage so that we can see this. Do not be anxious about anything we read, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So it's saying, instead of being anxious, do this. Pray. And it's, Paul just lists a bunch of different types of prayer. Prayers, petition, thanksgiving, requests. And then it says this promise, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the promise that God lays out for you. And it's not just here in this passage. In Isaiah 26.3, we read, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. God says, if you come to me in prayer, I promise you there's a peace available. And what we need to do is learn how to get this and make this our reward. Instead of a dopamine or endorphins or whatever other crazy things are happening in your brain, if you find the peace of God, it will reinforce that habit. If you do it again and again and again, you will slowly begin to move from that anxiety in your life into a place of peace, tranquility, and contentment. Isn't that what we want? Uh, has anyone in here ever felt this perfect peace? Has anyone in here ever felt that? I've talked with some of you who have felt that, and you're like, I'm in the midst of a terrible, crazy situation, but I just have this peace. I don't know how I got through it, but all of a sudden it was just like I had this calm. And I want you all to experience this not just once, but over and over and over again so it becomes a habit. You know, they say that a habit takes about six weeks to make. That's not very long. If it could transform the rest of your life and make sure you don't have a stress-induced heart attack. Sounds a little bit better, right? So let's work on this habit. Let's learn how to do it whenever we have that cue. Because here's the thing. When we worry, we try to take control of the situation, but we don't. Worry is like sitting in a rocking chair. Gives you something to do, but you go nowhere at all. Right? Going nowhere. <laughs> You're going nowhere. It's doing nothing. Uh, here's an unscientific study about worry. That I would say 90% of the things we worry about, maybe even more, 90% of the things we worry about, we can do nothing about. They are either, uh, about a third of them are things that happened in the past that we can't change. A third of them are things that are going to happen no matter what we do. And a third of the things, you know, we can't change. So it's just like, there's, there's nothing to do. Okay, it's going to happen. Or I'm sorry, that last one is things that will never happen. I said that wrong. Things that will never happen. So there are either things that happened in the past that we can't change, things that are going to happen no matter what you do, or, or, or things that, man, I'm confusing myself. So we're worrying about things, and I'm worrying about something that I can't change, right? 
They're just going to happen, these things. So worry is pretty worthless, and there's only about a 10% of things that we can actually change and have an effect on. Um, and I think that's pretty true. I've seen it in my own life. And, and, and what happens is when we worry, we're trying to like take control of all these things, but we don't have control. 90% of things we don't have a control over, only 10% we do. Then why are we worrying so much? We're wasting so much time. So when we pray, what we're actually doing is trading the illusion of control for God's actual control. You're pretending like you can handle things when you're worrying. Thinking, I've got to worry about this. Oh, no. But really, you're not going to do anything differently. So what we do in prayer is we give up the illusion that we're in control. And we're saying, okay, God, you actually are in control. You actually are in control. I'm going to trust you to handle it. To trust you to handle it. I, I think it's a lot like the movie Sandlot. Have you seen the movie The Sandlot? There's some news stories about it this week that brought it to mind because it's the 25th anniversary. Great classic movie. Um, I loved it as a kid because, of course, it's all the kids getting together in the summer and playing baseball in the old Sandlot. And if you know anything about the plot of the movie, it's that one of the boys, Smalls, and takes his dad's baseball and they play with it and hit it over a fence. And it goes into the yard of the guy who has the beast. This huge dog that literally, or they think, eats children alive. So they can't get this ball back. But what's the problem? Whose ball is that? Who signed it? Baby Ruth. Some lady, right? That's it. So. No, Babe Ruth signed this ball, and the, the boy didn't know who that was. And they're freaking out because this priceless ball's there, and, and they can't get in there. So what do they do? They spend the rest of the summer coming up with every way possible that they can get that ball back. Right? They're trying to come up with all sorts of things. They lower a kid by some ropes to try to grab it, but the dog gets it in time. They build this mechanism to try to send something over. And then finally, Benny the Jet Rodriguez gets on his PT flyers, laces him up, and jumps over the fence and grabs the ball and just runs. And that dog, the beast, chases him down. And they're all freaking out. They've been so worried about this, chasing the boy around. He's going to eat him for sure. And finally get back to the house of the guy who owned the yard and has the baseball in his yard and the, owns the dog. And they meet this guy and it turns out that he was what? Friends with Babe Ruth. <laughs> and he's like, oh, we can't get that ball. It's destroyed now by the dog. But he has another ball. And it wasn't just signed by Babe Ruth. It was signed by the entire 1927 world champion Yankees baseball team. You know, that was one of the best baseball teams of all time. We can argue about that later. But he just, and then he gives the ball to the kid. So they spent all summer worrying about this, trying to come up with everything that they could handle the situation and take care of it, and they failed. If at the very beginning they just would have knocked on the door, told the situation to the guy, and asked, they would have gotten what they wanted, right? Something even better. That's what happens with God. The whole time we're stressed, we're worried, we're trying to take control for ourselves and handle the situation on our own, and we're failing miserable, and nothing's happening, and we fall into this misery and anxiety of our life and God's just saying, hey, I can handle this. I'm a little bit bigger than you are. I'm friends with Babe Ruth. You know, he says that. You know, God can handle it. He is in control. So let's give up the illusion of control and trade it to God because he actually is in control. He actually is in control. If you're here and you're thinking, because I've seen this lately and you're thinking, well, Matt, um, prayer... Does that really do anything? You, you've probably seen this. Enough with the hope and prayer, the thoughts and prayers. Can't we have more? Can't we get some real action? Do you hear, you've heard this? But this is what I want to tell you about prayer. That now, obviously, I think those people don't understand what prayer is because prayer does not preclude action; it actually prompts it. 
Prayer does not preclude action, it prompts it. Before the greatest things that have happened in our world, people prayed about it. And they were prompted to sometimes do something themselves. Because this is what happens when you pray. And sometimes you'll do that. You have this anxiety, it's a real thing, and you're saying, God, do I need to do anything about it? That can be your opening prayer. God, should I do something about this? Is there something I need to personally do? And if God tells you to do something, then do it. If you wake up in the middle of the night, you're feeling that pressure on your chest, instead of being awake for the next three and a half hours and worrying, start praying. And if God tells you, okay, I want you to call that person tomorrow, I want you to do this, or or this is what you need to say, just write it down. Take out your phone and type it up, because we all sleep next to our phones anyways. That's the way of our world. That's why we're all so discontent, right? Um, Just write it down. Use that technology for good. Write it down. And then you can go back to sleep. Sounds way better than taking a sleeping pill or drinking or smoking, whatever. Um, So you can get back to sleep. So let's pray in those moments. And let's pray until we have that peace. And if God tells you to do something, then do it. So this... A few weeks ago, we had a microphone that broke here. It sounded like when someone talked into it, they were like underwater. So we sent it into Shure, the microphone manufacturing company, to get them to fix it. Do you know what I didn't do? I didn't drive to their warehouse. I didn't stand over the shoulder of the guy inspecting it and working on it and say, hey, what are you doing? Can you work? Are you sure you should use that component? Maybe we should try something different. I didn't get a sleeping bag so I can stay the night in case it takes longer and make sure it gets done. No. I sent the thing in and let him take care of it. That's what we do with prayer. We're asking God, can you handle this situation? Can you help me through this? Or if it's something in the past, like God, just help me get over that. Help me get over that. So what I want to challenge you guys to do is to pray until you experience that peace. It's a promise from God. Let's take it to the bank. Let's pray until we have that peace. And this is hard sometimes. Sometimes You're like, Matt, I don't have that peace yet. I've been praying. Well, pray some more. If you're thinking, well, Matt, I'm too busy to pray. No, you're too busy not to pray. We've got to learn this habit and handing it over to God instead of trying to control it ourselves because we will fail and 90% of the time we can't do anything about it anyways. So let's pray about it. Let's ask God to handle it. Whatever the situation, whether it's a health issue, something going on with school or with work, Because we have all this anxiety building up and and then someone dies, a divorce is happening, and then just you're going to blow up. What we have to learn is to develop this habit now. Whenever you feel that anxiety and stress start to creep up, you're feeling that on your chest, you're getting sick, headache maybe, whatever your situation is, use that as the cue to lead you into prayer. And pray about that situation and stay in prayer until you experience peace. So I'm going to challenge you guys to do. Because when you do that, you can replace the habit of worry with the habit of prayer and you will move from anxiety to peace. You know, one of the most encouraging things as I was thinking about this message this week is that Jesus experienced anxiety. Do you know that? On the night he was betrayed by one of his closest friends, he knew what was about to happen. And he went and did what? He prayed. He went in the garden and he asked God, God, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Make it so I don't have to do this. But he kept praying. And it even says, in Jesus' prayer, he said, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Now that's a lot of stress. 
That's a lot of anxiety. And that's what Jesus was feeling. But he kept praying and kept praying all night long. And then he went back to his 12 disciples and what were they doing? Sleeping. And what did he tell them to do? Get up and pray. Because he knew that's what they needed to do in order to make it through. Sleep isn't going to do it. We need to pray and we need to pray. And then Jesus had the peace to do what he needed to do. To be betrayed, to be killed, to be crucified for our sins in order to save the world. He had to move from anxiety to peace and he did it through prayer. We're going to have to do the same thing too. (laughs) Honestly, we're going to. And Jesus died so that we can have that peace with God and in our lives. So that's why I want us to develop this habit of peace. So I'm going to have the band come up right now. And I want us to take some time to practice this habit. Okay? So the band's going to be playing. They're just going to play some soft, beautiful music in the background because the band's awesome. They're just going to play some soft music. And what I want you to do is to take out your bulletin or a piece of paper or your smartphone and I want you to write down the thing or the things that are causing you anxiety right now. Whatever's causing you a burden and taking out a contentment, I want you to write it down. And then either write the prayer for it or just pray about it. Okay? You have some time now. It's you and God. And I just want you to say, this is the thing that's on my heart, God. This is the thing that's burdening me and taking me out of contentment. And God, help me with this. If there's something I'm supposed to do, show me what I'm supposed to do. If it's something out of my control, Lord, God, help me let it go and let you take care of this. So I want you to just take that time. This is your time between you and God. Write it down. Pray through it. Take a few minutes and do that. And then um, I'm going to be in the back. we got Bill Carson in the back. we got some staff and some of our prayer team. We're going to be in the back and we want to pray with you. If you have something that's really heavy on your heart and you're like, Matt, this isn't just like a normal stress of work and life. This is something heavy. We are there for you. So you can come back during this, this last song and just come and, and we're there to pray for you because we can do this and pray together. Okay? So let me say a prayer and then I'm going to lead you guys into that time of prayer. God, we do have anxiety. We have stress. It's life. We have these burdens that physically weigh down on us. And Lord, right now we cast them on you. We ask that you would help us through prayer and petition to form a habit that would lead us from anxiety to peace. And Lord God, you promise us. You promise us that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds. So Lord God, we're claiming that promise today. And I pray that you'd help each one of us experience that peace and tranquility as we walk out of here. Help us form this habit and change our lives. So Lord God, we as individuals and as a church come to you in prayer right now.